You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I was carrying glass vases from the fellowship hall yesterday and tripped and fell on glass and cut a tendon. So I have to have surgery in the morning or Tuesday morning. So I'd appreciate your prayers for that. I believe in God they're not even going to have to do it. So anyway. Uh, So I've been awake since 3 o'clock this morning. And I got up and threw up. I'm overcomer. (laughs) Amen. You know, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to bring into your life. You have the victory. And I am here to prove that today. Amen. And part of the way we have our victory is by what we say. And so I am going to be talking about bridling your tongue. Amen. And this is, yeah, that's why he doesn't want me preaching this. But I'm going to anyway. And so in James 3, 2 through 10, uh, New King James Version. Number two, it says, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So if you're walking in the word perfectly, you're not going to stumble. If you stumble in your words, you stumble in your walk, like I did yesterday. Anyway, so, but if you control your tongue, you know, I just refused as soon as that happened to me. I I mean, because I was bleeding everywhere. And I just started speaking to it immediately. I said, I saw thou when thou was polluted in thy blood, and I said, live. I said, live in Jesus' name. I don't know if you know it or not, but you can use that scripture to stop bleeding. It's amazing. If you just say that word, it stops the bleeding. So that's why it's important that we know what the word says. And, um, oh, also, I couldn't put my contact in today either, so I can't see your faces. (laughs) It's a wonderful day. (laughs) You can't make this up. Amen. We're going to have fun anyway. If you control your tongue, you can control your life. Amen. Number three, indeed we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Isn't that amazing? Wherever the pilot desires, just that one little rudder turns that huge ship wherever he wants it to go. And even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So what I'm telling you today is you can prevent forest fires. Amen. Haven't we been told that all our lives? You can. You can. You just got to control that little member right there. (laughs) It seems easy, but 
its work. So, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. So what comes out of your mouth, you're creating your world. You know, I've tried to tell people this for years, you know. People don't realize, especially people that have a lot of drama in their lives. I mean, honestly, they've created it by the things that they say. And I'm not condemning. I'm just trying to teach you to stop doing that. I mean, I came out of a family that was nothing but drama, 24-7. If they didn't have drama, they made it happen. So... So y'all know what I'm talking about. So it's so important to get control of your life with your tongue. It seems one of the way hells gets in is by our tongue. Uh, and I told y'all recently about my little niece that drowned six years ago. She kept saying for I don't know how long. She was 29 years old. She had six kids, two stepchildren. And she kept always saying, I'm going to drown in the Red River. I'm going to drown in the Red River. I don't know why, except the enemy put that in her head. And so six years ago, she drowned in the Red River. She created that world. So you believe, you believe your voice more than anybody. And if you keep saying it enough, you're going to make it happen. And that's... You know, it was a horrible tragedy, but, you know, Auntie Ann kept telling her to stop saying that because she was going to make it happen. But, you know, people don't believe that. They think, oh, you're just being ridiculous. No, this is life and death. This is life and death. What you speak is life and death. Amen? Amen. And since this is true, then the opposite's also true. You can create life and good things. And I know, you know, I'm not perfect at it. I, I, but boy, I could tell my tongue yesterday. <laughs> there were times I didn't want to, especially when they were scrubbing that out. That was just like, holy moly. But <laughs> that's what I said, holy moly. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, but when you let your tongue run on with what you feel, that's not heaven's work. That's hell's work. You know, people say, well, I just say what I feel. Well, you better stop it. Amen. You need to stop that because you're just creating all kinds of drama in your life. Amen. In verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. No man can tame it, but you can control it. You remember Dr. Holler preaching on uh, Racing Stripes, the movie with the zebras? Well, they used like six different zebras because they would train them, but the next morning when they got up, they're untrained. They're, they're wild animals. And that's what your tongue is. It's like a wild animal doing what it wants to do in there. But you have to get control of it. And the way you get control of it is with the help of the Holy Spirit. 
you know you just got to pray and ask the Lord to help you because it you know it's not in our nature to do that so we call on the spirit to help us overcome it because you will never tame the tongue but you can control it verse 9 with it we bless our God and Father and with it we curse men who are the similitude of God out of the same mouth come cursings and blessings and that not ought to be so you see you're getting a clue to the New Testament here because if it's wrong for blessings and cursings to come out of our mouth then they shouldn't be coming out of God's mouth either he's in you he's in you so that should not be coming out of you the Lord never does anything wrong Amen? He never does anything wrong because he's a good God all the time. So he cursed Jesus once for all of us. So all that flows out of him now is blessings, 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 and blessings. He never curses any of us. That's Old Testament stuff. But between the Old Testament and the New Testament was a cross. And our Jesus hung on that cross for us. And we can live victorious lives if we control our tongue. Years ago, we had a Christian school, and uh, one of our girls, when we went to international competition, one of our girls went in uh, dramatic interpretation, and she told this story. I hope I can get through it. <laughs> it. says, there is a story many years ago of an elementary teacher. Her name was Mrs. Thompson. And as she stood in front of her fifth grade class, on the very first day of school, she told the children a lie. She told them that she loved them all. Well, she can't love them. She doesn't even know them yet. So she lied. And so, like most teachers, she looked at her students and said she loved them all the same, but that was impossible. Because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stollard. Mrs. Thompson had watched Teddy for years and noticed that he didn't play very well with other children, that his clothes were messy and that he constantly needed a bath. And Teddy could be unpleasant. It got to the point where Mrs. Thompson would actually take delight in marking X's on his paper and putting a big F at the top. At the school where Mrs. Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's records, and she put Teddy's off till the last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade, sorry, my mouth is real dry. Can somebody get me a cup of water? Uh, Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home is a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death was hard on Teddy. His father doesn't show much interest in him or his home life. His fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends, and sometimes 
he sleeps in class. Well, by now, Mrs. Thompson realized the problem, and she was ashamed of herself. Thank you, sweetie. <coughs> she felt even worse when her students brought her children her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present, which was clumsily wrapped in the heavy brown paper that he got from the grocery bag. Mrs. Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the children started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was about a quarter full of perfume. But she stifled the children's laughter when she explained how pretty the bracelet was and put it on and showed it to all the kids. And then she put the perfume on and said, smell this, isn't it beautiful? Teddy stayed after school that day. All the children had left. And he said, Mrs. Thompson, you smell just like my mother. On that very day, she quit teaching, reading lessons, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Mrs. Thompson paid more attention to her students, but particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind seemed to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. And by the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class. Amen. That's what we gotta do, speak positive. And despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became one of her t teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy telling her that she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Six years later went by before she got another note from Teddy, and then he wrote that he had finished high school third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. <laughs> Four years later after that, she got another letter saying that while things had been tough and at times he stayed in school, at, time, at tough times, he stayed in school, had stuck with it, and would soon graduate from college with the highest of honors. He assured Mrs. Thompson that she was still the best teacher he had ever had. And then four more years passed and yet another letter came. This time he explained that after he got his bachelor's degree, he decided to go a little further. The letter explained that she was still the best and favorite teacher he had ever had, but now his name was uh, a little longer than the letter was signed, Theodore F. Stollard, MD. This is a true story. The story doesn't end there. You see, there was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said he had met this girl and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might agree to sit in the place at the wedding that was saved for the groom's mother. And Mrs. Thompson did. And guess what? She wore the bracelet and the perfume. And she made sure that she knew, that she wanted him to know that she loved, she really did love him. 
He really was her favorite. <laughs> Your words are the seeds of creation. And you can create a wonderful story like this. Or you can create one not good at all. You know, I see parents. I went and picked up uh, my grandkids at school the other day. And I just could not believe what this woman said to her child. I mean, she was cursing at that child and just telling it how stupid he was. And, you know, and I'm going to show you in a little bit what that does. The first words were for creation, not for communication. You realize that, don't you? Because God created with words. And that's what we do. The animals didn't have the right of speech. Adam had the right of speech. You know, animals make noise and they communicate. But the gift of speech, the gift your tongue holds, is primarily for creation. The reason God demands that we control our tongues is not so much for his benefit, but for our own. I remember Brother Hagen years ago, we used to, old Mr. Hagen. <laughs> We, uh, we used to go to a lot of his conferences, and he was, he's been a great mentor to us, even though he's in heaven now. But I still remember a lot of the things he said. And I remember, you know, when he was talking about keeping control of your tongue, he said, hey, I could go on a cussing free spree right now if I wanted to. But I'm not going to because I'm going to control my tongue. So that's, you know, all of us could do it but we don't, right? Please say yes. <laughs> Amen. Well, there's the story of, uh, told of President Teddy Roosevelt. He simply hated endless, useless greetings and conversations at state events. Aren't you kind of tired of the whole election thing going on? I'm so ready for it to be over, I think. I think. One evening at a state ball, the president stood in a receiving line, greeting one guest after another. All of them said the same thing, smiled the same tired smile, repeating the right greeting by rote, talking all their, out of their mouths, not with their heads or their hearts. <laughs> tired of shaking hands and smiling this big smile and responding with the usual mindless blather used at such occasions, Roosevelt did something completely outlandish. Convinced that no one was listening in any way, he began to greet the guest by saying, with a smile, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> Everyone smiled and said things like, oh, that's lovely, that's wonderful, keep up the good work. <laughs> one diplomat was listening <laughs> and he overheard it. He leaned over and whispered in Roosevelt's ear, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> Amen. The reason it is so important for you to control your tongue is because your heart believes nobody like it believes you. There is no tongue so believable to your heart as your tongue. But you can train your heart not to believe what your own, by your own tongue by continually saying things you don't mean. Well, that just about killed me. No, it didn't. That just tickled me to death. No. I'm starving. Uh, no. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, you know, we say things all the time 
that we don't even mean. And it becomes such a habit, we don't even think about it. And so we're training our heart to believe those things. So that's why it's important to say the right things. In Proverbs 15:1, it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Words can change even how your enemies view you. You know what? You don't have to respond in an ugly way. You can just turn around and walk away. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and Proverbs 15:2 says, The tongue of the wise use knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pour out foolishness. I've been foolish. I'll admit it. <laughs> Your controlled tongue is the only way to put knowledge to work for you. In Proverbs 15:3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So what is the context here? It's words. It's words. Are God's eyes on our words? Or are the, his eyes on the product and the outcome of our words. That's what he's watching. And boy, we can create a whole lot of stuff, can't we? Uh, hey, I'm including me. I'm just, I'm not perfect. I know that's hard for y'all to believe because Pastor John tells you I am all the time. <laughs> Don't believe it. <laughs> I try to be, but I'm not. By God's grace. And Proverbs 15:4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life but a perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. This is very interesting here. Wholesome in the Hebrew is the word marpe. Let's, say, let's all say it together. Marpe. Mar and it's curative. That is literally a medicine, a cure. Or deliverance, healing, remedy, wholesome. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's wholesome. When you speak the right word, you speak healing. And you speak deliverance. It's an amazing tool if you use it right. And Proverbs 15, fool says, A fool despises his father's instruction, but he that regards reproof is prudent. And you know what? Your father's instructions are perfect. Amen. Not every father gives good advice. But your heavenly Father always gives good advice. Amen? Because it's always perfect. Proverbs 15, 6, In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. I mean, how many times do these people have to win these lotteries? I mean, have you ever watched the stories about these people? It is so sad. They wind up killing each other. They lose everything. And they've got all these millions of dollars. But what the truth is, what was really inside of them started manifesting. And this is what was in them all the time. But nobody saw it. Yeah. Money really is the root of all evil. Yeah, Amen. But money's good. It's just what you do with it. Amen. So your confession should be, let's say this together. Much treasure is in my house. Treasure is in my house. Much treasure is in my house. Not a little bit. Not a little bit. I was raised with, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. Stop telling your kids you can't afford it. And believe God. Believe God, yes. 
He says we're rich. Amen. And it also says in Proverbs 15, 7, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. Your righteous lips are a blessing to others. You know, the old saying used to say, sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's very untrue because words do hurt. But the word says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I say to you today, choose life. Amen.